Hey, this is Kai Logue, and you're listening to the Real Estate Wholesaling Syndicate. I designed this podcast to get you real, actionable information that you can apply directly into your wholesaling business. There's no fluff, no bullshit, just real advice and real strategies from the best investors and wholesalers in the game. You're just hopping on now. Again, we're going to be talking about seller financing. Um, Cash is one, you know, the goat when it comes to seller financing, super knowledgeable, super go giver, just an awesome dude all around. So, really excited to have him on. So, yeah. So, um, for uh, where did the uh, I love the story about where your name came from. So, where did uh, the Cash Money Mike name come from? Oh, Cash Money Mike. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I didn't give myself that name. My daughter, I've got a division one softball player in my family. I'm always that's always the proudest thing for me to kind of say because yeah. I know how hard she worked and. I had coached her for a long time trying to get her there. Uh, but ultimately uh, I had coached a team for a long time. And um, a lot of the, a lot of the players wanted to play for me and a lot of the parents wanted their players to play for me. And I, I wound up um, uh, at the end of the game, we had won a game and we were kind of in, in a little circle there. And my daughter said, Hey dad, I'm starving. And I, I, I reached into my pocket and I had a little knot of cash on me. And I pulled it out and the pitcher goes, cash money, Mike. I said, oh, man, that's going to stick. So ever since then, it's kind of stuck. And and then she said, with a K, because yeah. she was a, a um, since she was a pitcher, you know, a strikeout. A strikeout yeah. So that's kind of how it stuck. That's how I got the name. That's awesome. Man. So how did, how did you first get into uh, seller financing or how did you kind of you know, dive in or start your journey? I started well. I think I should probably bring you back maybe a little bit a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. It's just getting into getting into real estate in general. I had always had a passion for it. My dad actually had a bunch of property, but my dad was a very 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 impatient man. Mm-hmm. So he had these really great he had these really great assets that he would kind of hold on to. I mean, riverfront properties and properties that were down by the ocean, and we were my upbringing was pretty good. My dad was a hard worker. He had done flooring for a long time. Um, and he had all these pieces of property and he would bring me around. Um, and I would kind of, I just kind of fell in love with it early on. So in 2000, I think it was 2001, I had opened up a bar, believe it or not, I was in the bar business for a long Mm -hmm. time. And, um, about three years after that, or maybe two years after that, I had gotten my real estate license while I was still in the bar business. Long story short is I wound up closing the bar down and I went broke and I had about $6,000 left. No, I had like $7,000 left. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, um, there's this woman in Sacramento. Her name is Alexis McGee. She mm-hmm. owns a domain name called foreclosures.com. And I want to go learn how to buy foreclosures. So I took the last six grand that I had, uh, hightailed it out to Sacramento, California, learned subject two, mm. which I thought I understood when I came back to New York. I'm from New York originally, uh, which I thought I understood when I came back to New York, only to realize this is how inexperienced I was, is that New York is a mortgage state and California is a deed of trust state. So I mm. didn't really understand what I thought I understood. Um From there, I had uh, worked as a broker. I had sold a bunch of houses, and then I started flipping some houses with my brother. Uh, And it just kind of morphed into this this thing that I just – I constantly had a passion for it. So I was looking for ways to buy different properties to kind of – 
tell you how old I am. I, I mean, if you guys remember Carlton Sheets, you know, uh, he was in between like uh, some kind of um, some kind of thing on Cablevision. It was like uh, late night Carlton Sheets would show you how to buy property with no money down. Older guy. I don't even know if he's still alive. Um, but from there, I kind of uh, started just kind of educating myself and stuff and then uh, wound up um learning creative finance slowly. It wasn't a quick, it wasn't a quick learn for me. There were little pieces that I was kind of putting together, but I do specifically remember one day me waking up and going to the whiteboard and going, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got it. And my wife's like, what's the matter? And I just started writing down the numbers across the board. And I was like, if we can do this, 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 and this, how do we not pay more than the other guy? And how do we do this? And here's how we get over the interest objection. And here's what we can do. We can move the down payment around. We can move the purchase price around. But And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And when it hit me, I was like, oh, shit, I know something that a lot of people don't know. Even to today, with the way I kind of teach this stuff, is I don't see a lot of people teaching what I actually teach right with like things that I showed you with interest, mm-hmm. how to calculate that stuff, how to move things around. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, I just moved right into that. And from there, it kind of morphed into me being in here with you today. That's awesome. So yeah, I would say we got a few people in here now. Um, and that's super cool. I love how just the, you know, light bulb moment or the ton of getting hit and like, Oh, it just clicks. And it's just, it's just great when that happens. But it looks like we got my wife Bree, we got Christopher, we got Christopher Crump in here too, and we got uh, Dimitri. And then so we got a couple questions. So Dimitri said, oh, one sec. So what is an appropriate response when the seller says they need all the money? How are you able to build enough for poor to take over their mortgage payment sub two? Do you normally refi out from the sub two, or do you worry about the due on sale clause? All right, so we got four questions in one. Let's one, go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's go with the first question. What is an appropriate response when the seller says they need all the money? So ultimately, um, if you got on at the beginning, you heard me say that nothing really changes from a prospecting or lead generation standpoint, right? You're always going to lead with cash. If you find a seller that absolutely needs all the money, um, a lot of the questions that I ask are a little bit what people might feel like is invasive, right? I want to know what you're doing with the money. I want to know where you're going, why you're going there, who you're going with. In other words, if it's somebody primary and they're going to move, I want to know what they're buying. Are they planning on buying? Are they planning on renting? Who are they going with? All of that underlying stuff really makes a huge difference when trying to structure a uh, creative deal. If you have somebody who's like, I just need my money, then you don't have a seller finance candidate. The second question is, how are you able to build enough rapport to take over their mortgage payments subject to? Subject to is going to be tied to some kind of pain. So the rapport build on a sub two, because it's tied to pain, is you really being empathetic with what's going on in their life and their situation. Usually somebody's behind on their mortgage payments and they're facing foreclosure. Anybody who lets you take who lets you take your um anybody who lets you take their mortgage over subject to that's not in a pain point, you could probably um it's probably safe to assume that they're savvy enough to know that what what 
you're doing and how you're doing it. Sometimes those deals work. Sometimes they don't. You got to remember, I've got a long-term goal. So I have a lot of students and a lot of people that actually take properties over sub two or structure seller finance deals to flip them and ultimately wind up in an inventory cycle the same way you would on a wholesale or innovation. So I like to, I like to think long-term and, um, the rapport build really comes with you being empathetic. You want to be super careful when you're building rapport. And I kind of liken this to like two kids chasing each other around a bush or around a playground or whatever, and they're playing tag. And so, and, and the person who's chasing the kid in front never really gets to tag that, that other player. Mm-hmm. That can happen sometimes in conversations. I've got a lot of people, even in my own Facebook group that come in and, and, and they have these calls and it's like, 15 minutes of rapport build. And I'm a pretty straight and narrow kind of guy where, Hey, listen, I want to be empathetic with you and understand, but I also want to be able to put a deal together and not burn too much time trying to build the wrong rapport. Uh, The next question is, uh, do you normally refi out from a sub two? I don't do a lot of subject two. I'm not a fan of subject two. Um, the goal of a subject to is to find a mortgage. Uh, a typical mortgage will run right at about 30 years. There's usually two products that the banks will offer. They'll offer a 15 or a 30. Uh, 90% of the stuff that we see nowadays is all 30. Um, so when you're structuring a sub two, it's all about money in and money out the same way it is on seller finance. So when you get somebody's mortgage statement, it'll show you what the balance is. It'll show you what the interest rate is and it'll show you what the payment amount is. Usually the taxes and the insurance are escrowed inside that payment. And then you've got to calculate the other pieces of the money going out. Um, I don't know how you refi a sub two that you're picking up at three and a half percent anytime soon. Hmm. We've had six interest rates in the you know since June. So if you're picking up a sub two now and you've got, you've got a, you know, a three and a half or a 4% interest rate, I don't think we're going to see those rates anytime soon. So the answer to your question is possibly, but the interest rates have to be right. And the last question is, do you worry about the due on sale clause? Who doesn't worry about the due on sale clause, right? That's the real scary part of subject two, is that if somebody calls the loan due, are you going to be able to pay for it? And are you going to be able to get out of it? Um, uh, I don't like sub two for that specific reason, specifically for newer investors. I feel like if you have money, you've got a little track record behind you. I think subject two can be an okay strategy. Not for me though. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Those are some great questions. So yeah. Any, any more question guys, keep posting them in there. So we got fire emojis, uh, from Jake and we got Jamie LeBlanc saying, what's up cash and Kai. What's up, Jamie. Good for on. I think Jamie went through your training too. I think. Yeah, I can only see Facebook user Facebook. Yeah, it's on the tier. Yeah, I got it on the other side, but yeah. Yeah, so yeah. tell everybody I said, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but cool. So yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's uh, especially if you're newer, you don't know what you're doing, you don't want to you know, put a bunch of money into a sub two and then end up losing it all. You know, what's, what's, what's really stopping the seller from filing bankruptcy three years down the road? Right. Yeah, so obviously they're in a tough spot to begin with, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, just want to make sure you're careful and you kind of cover yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. One of the things I really love to you go over is your magic question um, that you ask people to, when you kind of initiate the conversation, do you mind sharing that? Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time, even out on the social media platforms when, when you're, when you're, when you just can't kick the sellers in the ass enough, right. And you're trying to buy it deep enough. Uh, there's one question that I believe you can ask that uh, can change the whole trajectory of your business. And that's, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, if I gave you what you wanted, how much time would you give me to pay it off? Mm. And if you listen to that, what I what I essentially structure there is what people refer to as a balloon. So a couple of terms that you don't use in seller finance. You don't use seller finance. You don't use the word balloon. We don't tell people we're going to pay them off in 10 years. Um, you don't want to scare. You don't want to scare a seller. Right. right. Especially if if um, you're going to try to get them to be the bank and they don't understand what it really means to be the bank. Your job is to make them feel as comfortable as they can. And in order to make somebody feel comfortable, you've got to talk in crayon language. You got to be able to just talk like this and write it in crayon and say, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. So when I hear people go, hey, listen, would you accept terms? I want you to go ahead and, you know, seller finance me this deal. We'll put some terms together that make sense. Um, I'll give you interest and I'll balloon you out in 10 years. The seller is like, what are you talking about? So I try to simplify it and think of different ways to ask the question where if I'm trying to structure a 0% interest deal, I'm saying things like, if I made you equal monthly payments, and I gave you what you wanted, Mr. Seller, I don't believe we have to negotiate the price. I'm willing to give you what you're asking for. Um, how do you feel about me making you $1,000 a month, equal monthly payments, and I'll make you 180 of those? And when I say that, what I effectively said was a 0% interest deal, and I'm going to balloon you out in 15 years. So the framing and the sequencing of the questions that, that come out of your mouth are so important inside this. And you have to make people feel comfortable at the end of the mm. day. You know? Yeah, I think there's just huge. And just, I think in everything, I'll, I'll say, I'll just really just, you know, making it simple, not using, you know, words to understand. And it's hard to, like, I've been in multiple industries, but it's like, you know, if something's common to you, like you use, you know, certain words or things, or it's common in your industry, you just think everybody knows it, uh, but they don't. You know, especially with a lot of sellers, like they don't deal with real estate all the time. You know, this kid might be their only house and they probably, probably bought it from a realtor. So, you know, a lot of those terms, they have no idea what you're talking about. And, you know, when you get them to confuse, you're, you're losing all rapport. They just, they just shut down and they're like, oh, I don't know what this is. I don't, I don't want to do it. The difference between somebody hearing, hey, I'm going to pay you out and fill, pay you off in 15 years. Or, hey, what kind of a payment are you comfortable with? You know, with and they say, well, I'd really love to get fifteen hundred dollars a month, and I go, perfect. If I made you like a hundred and eighty of those, would that sound fair to you? Sounds great, yeah. Right, and then they're like, oh yeah, really? Like you're going to make me a hundred and eighty of those payments? So you just have to frame it up and and uh, and um, ultimately uh, sequence the questioning the right way. But it's important that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. You've been through the training, so you understand why we're doing what we're doing. But, and, and again, that's the disconnect with 
people that are just in wholesale is, is, um, you know, they, they go, Oh, seller finance. I want to go ahead and, uh, I want to go ahead and, and, and try to pay, you know, try to pay more money for a piece of property, but ultimately wind up failing because they don't understand why they're doing it. And that's right. so important, you know, hundred mm percent. -hmm, and just, uh, just, uh, they're just like such a smart shift too. When you think of just like they're small shifts, but they make such a big difference. Because when you go, you know, years, you know, tell someone, you know, ten years, you know, it sounds like a very long time. But when you say, you know, one hundred and twenty payments, that sounds like a lot of payments that they're going to get. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just such a small thing, but just so brilliant, and it's just yeah, just a huge game changer, huge shift in the conversation. It's it's a pro to them instead of a con that you know years. Like I don't know what I'm going to be doing in ten years. But oh, I'm going to get 120 of these. That's great. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the way it goes is, is uh, I know you've been, uh, I know that you've been um, in the class where I've had a successful student in there and that's exactly how we kind of framed it up. We just framed it up. Hey, we're going to make you equal monthly payments. We knew to the uh, Facebook user who said, um, you know, what is an appropriate response when the seller says they need all the money and mm -hmm. I said to you, you need to find out what's happening in their life. The reason why we were able to structure that deal is because we knew what they were going to buy. We knew how much they were going to spend. And then we wound up saying, oh, hey, listen, if we if 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 we gave you X amount of money every single month and that payment hit your account every single month, it's going to take care of the new mortgage that you're going into. It's going to give you a little extra spending money. And ultimately, we're going to get you to live for free. And somebody hears that and they're like, who doesn't want to live for free? I want to live for free. Yeah. 100%. You know? <laughs> so it's just really about sequencing the questions, you know? Yeah. It just goes all back into, I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make is just not asking hard questions or not digging, you know, digging in deep enough, which I know you, you're a big proponent of, and you always really push people to do is just really ask those hard questions and, and don't be afraid. And you know, people like to talk. I mean, just as long as you, and you're going to talk to them on the phone. They're, they're going to open up if you ask those questions. And, you know, it's just asking and, and you know, actively listening and, you know, caring. Because, you know, people want someone to talk to you. Um, and they'll tell you. I mean, just, you know, as long as you ask, you're not weird when you ask. And you're just confident about it. And they'll, they'll tell you what they want. They'll tell you why they want to move. They'll tell you what their motivations are. You know, you can, you know, really just, you just have to ask. And then, and then having a real, like a real uh, format for the call or a goal for the call, right? Knowing mm -hmm. who you are before you get into the call and then knowing what you're trying to accomplish. And then as you're asking the hard questions that you may feel invasive, what you want to do is you kind of want to hide it inside the flow of the conversation. Right. I was breaking down, I was breaking down a call, one of my students just recently and we were 11 minutes into it and I stopped the recording and I go, are you going to get to it on this call? Like, are we going to ask a relevant question on this call or are you going to continue to chase this woman around the bush because mm. she's literally just has you on a string and is bringing you around and you haven't asked the question yet. And then when he would ask the question, which would be like, Hey, what are you trying to get for this piece of property? She wouldn't give him the answer. Mm. There's other ways to ask that. Right. So you you have to formulate things in your own head to kind of ask questions in a in a different way so mm -hmm. that you can get the result that you're looking to get. You gotta yeah. hide it behind you gotta hide it behind the report too. Like if I'm trying to find out, if I'm trying to find out, you know, um, 
I think we were on a we were on a call where there was an 84 year old woman who managed all of her own properties and she just wouldn't give us the number. Yeah. Um, and we were going back and forth and I'm like, so tell me how much money you're paying or my student was asking how much money the tenants were paying per month. And, um, she wouldn't give him the answer. And I, I kept saying to him, like inside of this rapport that you're building, when you're when she's talking about the pain in the ass tenant who she can't get out and the septic is clogged and she's 84 and she's the one pumping the septic and there's a hole in the wall and all these things that really leaves an opening for you to kind of hide your questions behind your rapport uh, and have it shown as kind of like empathy. So in other mm -hmm. words, you're empathetic with what she's saying, but you're you're really you're trying to get your question answered kind of behind the scenes, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And it gets easier. I mean, the more reps you get in, the more you talk to people, it becomes more fluid. So it's really just getting it down so it doesn't sound robotic when you're asking the questions. And like Ash was saying, just, you know, it's part of the flow. It's part of the conversation when you ask them. Mm -hmm. And then so it looks like Dimitri asked another question. He said, is there a minimum percent equity that you prefer to see in this deal? And how do you factor in repairs? It's a great question. Common question. Yeah. And uh, here's the answer to your question. With seller finance, there's four things that you need and a whole host of things that you don't need. The things that you don't need, you've been programmed to believe that you need. In other words, you don't need an agent. You don't need a license. You don't need a buy box. You don't need to JV. You don't need any dispo department. We don't sell property here. Um, we don't need any percentage of ARV. We don't need any MAO. There are no drop contracts. There are no lowball offers. Those are the things that you don't need. You don't need anything that you're technically, um, that you would need with wholesale, believe it or not. It's much simpler than that. And real estate is very, very simple because the next question is, how do you factor in repairs? When you think about it at the end of the day, a piece of property, every piece of property has a problem. Every piece of property has a problem. I'm sitting in these four walls here. There are problems within this four walls, right? I know I have a loose floor joist or I know there's a, there's a loose brick outside, or maybe there's a shingle missing, whatever it may be. Everything has, has problems. And when nothing is going to be perfect either. So when you go into a seller finance deal, I'm, I'm assuming you're asking, how do you factor in repairs is this is all about money in and money out. So in other words, if I, if I found a piece of property, normally people would find a piece of property, take their money, they would put all their money into that piece of property and they would wait 10 years or 15 years for the appreciation to go up. And then I talk to them 12 years into the run and they go, I'm a real estate investor. Hmm. And I go, no, you're not a real estate investor. You bought a piece of property and you're waiting on the market to pay you. I don't wait on the market to pay me. I wait for my tenants to pay me every single month. So when you say, how do you factor in repairs? Each property is different. Like I've got a 13 unit 
property that I, I literally I'm going over contracts right before I got on this and it's 13 units. And because it's multifamily, we are looking to raise rents without putting any money into it. But there is a cost for repair. I'm just not going to make the repairs now because there's a value add in there without me doing anything to the property. So it really depends on the type of property that you're acquiring, whether it's single family, multifamily, um, a strip center, whatever it may be. And there's always costs to that. Your taxes, your insurance, your maintenance, your repair. Uh, if you're getting into the deal and you've got to give Kai some money, I don't know what it may be. Each deal is different. Um, I add it up. That's how I factor it in. I add it up and I figure out when I'm going to need that for the property. In other words, do I need it now? Do I need it in six months from now? Can I raise the rents right now without putting any money into it? Eight months down the road, when that lease expires, I'm going to go and I'm going to take that tenant and I'm going to let them leave. I'm then going to do a really good rehab on that one unit. I've got 13 there. I'll do a really good rehab on that one unit and rent it out and see if I can get more than what I have on my pro forma or here or on my projection and just and just test different things. So um, you add it up. I mean, I hate to say it like that and sound kind of shitty about it, but you have to add it all up and find out what you can do with the property. The value is in what you can do with the property. I heard Pace say this the other day. Um, the value is not in the property. It's what it's what you can do with the property. And he's, he's right on it when he says that. The value is in what you can do with the property. But if you've got this short-term mindset, wholesale, I'm going to stack cash, and you don't have a long-term goal, you'll ne- it's very difficult to get over to the other side where I am. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I know it's something you touch on a lot. Because um, I feel like society just in, in a whole and just, you know, kind of the time we live in is just, you know, instant gratification. You want it right now. And, you, know, you want it fast and you, know, you want to make it overnight. How, how do people start to make that transition? Or, you know, how, how do you make that transition? Because I feel like most people start that way. But how, how does someone go from, you know, one side to the other? Surrender. Mm. Literally surrender and go, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. Mm. If I'm in it for the long haul and all the big guys are making big money and they're all in it for the long haul, what do I have to learn to help me get to that point? And it's really a lot of it is understanding how the system in this country works when it comes to W-2s and self-employed and all these different things that we're we're just so used to. I think challenging or questioning a lot of the things that we're taught, for instance, two words, tax, uh, like taxes, right? I mean, I, I mean, my old man all, you know, growing up was like, try to stay away from the government. Don't pay any tax. Don't take on any debt. Mm. Only later on to realize that the two things that really get you wealthy are taxes and debt. So instead of avoiding the tax, I want to know how I can legally, um, instead of avoiding the conversation, I want to know how I can legally avoid taxes, Hmm. not evade tax, but avoid tax. Um, When it comes to 
you know, either uh, good debt or bad debt. What is the difference between good debt and bad debt? Who wants to see that debt and why? So if we go to a bank and you have, you know, $100,000 worth of credit card debt, you're not going to get anything. If I've got $100,000 worth of real estate debt and I'm doing a really good job managing that that portfolio, I'm going to get whatever I want. Mm. And if I have mortgages where people are, people owe me the money, that's where it gets really interesting. You can get your net worth up very, very quickly. And everything has got to be verifiable if you want to go to a bank. That's why that real there's a real opportunity right now, especially where we are, Kai. Um, you know, in this in this market, is that there's there's so much uneasiness and so much uh, craziness going on out here that you could really find there are a lot of really good deals out there, um, and we're finding them every day. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, that's this is a great point, man. A lot of great stuff. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, I mean, this is a great opportunity, you know, post them in the comments. I mean, Cash is just these wealth of knowledge. I learn every time, you know, I talk to this dude or I listen to him speak or I'm up on a call with him. I mean, it's literally it's just, you know, there's levels to this and he's, he's up there, man. He's super smart. So, I mean, I, I know we had that call one time. My mind was just blown because you were just to show me how differently you think about things because you're like, oh, we're talking about areas like invest in in different areas. And you're like, oh, you know, I pull up the map and it may sound really simple, but I was just like blown away because you're like, I pull up the map and you got to look and see, you know, where the codes are and like see how they're building. I know you know, this, I know like the town's going to build out this way and all this stuff. And I'm just like, wow, man, it just levels this stuff. And just so, just so cool. How you can like how deep you can dive into it. Yeah. It's never ending. I think that's what I love about the industry too, is that it's like never ending. It's, it, it, it truly is real life monopoly. Mm. You break it down. You find a piece of land, that piece of land, let's say, let's just say it's raw land. You find a raw piece of land in any town, any village, any city, any county in America. And there, and there are certain things that you can do with that piece of property just by right. And then if you have an idea and you go, you know what? I think this, I think a, 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 you know, an apartment building would be just perfect for this area. You can do that. You just have to go back to the town, say, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. How do you guys feel about it? You get the blessing from whatever agency that you get, and then you run through the motions. And when you do something like that, the education that you get is immense. It's immense. And I've, and I've been educated like that for so long. Some of the best mentors, the only mentors that I've ever had, Kai, have been attorneys, um, title, title companies, the IRS, my CPA. These are all my mentors, you yeah. know, the real deal real estate stuff. So, yeah, it's just the more you dive deep into this, the more you'll realize the opportunity is endless. Definitely is. Yeah. I think that's what I love about it. Cause you know, one of my core values is growth and always learning. And like you said, it's just, it's endless. I mean, you can just keep learning and keep growing and you, know, you can just keep moving up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, one of the things I, I learned is a huge takeaway for me uh, with your trainer, just kind of talking about how, you know, they're basically, you know, why you target who you target is because a lot of people don't keep their books, you know, and they, a lot of them don't run their business like a business. So, I mean, 
their prime opportunity for seller financing because a lot of people can't get loans or they can't, you know, they're not fundable because they can't back it up and, and show that they don't have their rent rolls or anything together. So, I mean, I thought that was super insightful. Yeah. There's so many people that, uh, so many people that admit, so you're looking for neglect. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're looking for neglect. You're, you're looking for mismanagement. You find mismanagement and inside management, mismanagement is an opportunity. I always say it. Management is where real estate goes to die. It either thrives or it goes to die there. And uh, a lot of the times you can catch it on the way down. And if you're catching it on the way down and you find a good value add, you, I mean, you could really, you can make a lot of money. Yeah, 100%. So, okay. So we got another question from Dimitri who says, uh, how do you guide a seller to be more decisive with us once they have fully heard you out? And the second part is what are your takes on when the seller tells us I'll let you know, or I have to think it over, or I have to talk to other investors. Yeah. So uh, the first question is, how do you guide, how do you got a seller to be more decisive with us once they fully heard you out? So I am in the business. I don't, I want you to take this the wrong way, but I don't think about the deal. I truly seek to understand the intention of the seller. I am not thinking about anything other than how do I gather information? I gather that information and then I try to leverage that information against the seller. So when you ask, how do you guide a seller to be more decisive with us once they've fully heard you out, that's, that's your job to kind of ask the right questions so that they feel like they can trust you. If they can't trust you, I think you're going to find a lot of indecisive people. Um, so it's all in the, it's all in the questions that you ask, but I can tell you that most of you go into conversations either thinking about numbers or thinking about the deal or thinking, and you're thinking about the wrong shit. You've got to be thinking about, Hey, um, I'll give you an example and then I'll, and then I'll answer you like the second part of your question on this 13 unit that we put under contract. Um, it, it was an older seller. So when I hear older, older guy or older woman, I immediately say to myself, they want to do business face to face. They want to do business face to face. So we found out where he, where he was. We knew where the building was located. We wound up, uh, we wound up, uh, meeting this guy in Raleigh. And I remember telling a student of mine, I said, here's what I want to know. I want to know everything about everything before I get off of this table. Because if I don't know everything, it's difficult for me to structure anything. And by me wanting to know everything, I come out as much more trustworthy than somebody who's just thinking about the deal or thinking about the money. So I, I have never had a, a problem with somebody being on, I mean, early on in my career, I, you know, I, I go through everything. And even today I go through some of the, some of the same stuff that you guys face, but I'm going in with a clear goal. I know exactly what I want. Um, I'm confident and I know what I want out of the conversation. So hopefully that helps. 
And then what are your takes on when a seller tells us, I'll let you know, or I have to think it over? That's code for, I don't trust you. I don't trust what you're saying. Let me think it over. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Let me think it over. You haven't made it enticing enough, or you haven't explained it with extreme confidence that makes them feel like they're going to pull the trigger and do business with you. And the way you get better with that, which nobody does, is by taking reps. Mm. Reps over reps over reps over reps over reps. And if you could just just commit to taking mountains of reps and identifying deals, you'll be 80% ahead over everybody. Mm. Literally. And that's all it takes is reps and identification, reps and identification, identify. How do I identify deals? No deals, no flow, no murder, you know, no motivation, no urgency, no deal. Um, and you're looking for that. So that's how you do it. Or I have to talk to other investors. Yeah. You, you gotta, you, you, you need help with, you need help with, overcoming objections which is simple to do it's just why Mm. right i'll let you know is there somebody else that you have to talk about you know talk to well yeah i gotta talk to my wife well you told me earlier on the phone you know don't be afraid to throw it back at them you know what i mean phone fear is a real thing you know Mm. it's a real thing you just got to get with it you got to get you got to get to it not take any shit from anybody and not worry so much about it. You're going to get your ass kicked in. And if you don't get your ass kicked in, you don't learn. You can't right. learn You can't learn anything from being on the top. I mean, everything that I can talk to you about, you know, confidently, I've got 20 years of road, rough road behind me that I'm able to sit here and talk to you like this. You don't, you know, you're not, you don't get like this by, by, you know, not asking the right questions or getting your ass kicked. Right. That's it. I've got my ass kicked so many times. hundred percent. Yeah. It's really taking those punches and learning from, like you said, but yeah, the great thing you mentioned, you know, cause I've done sales you know, my whole life, you know, officially legally since 18. Um, but yeah, what really changed for me was learning all objections. They're all just smoke screens for fear uh, or uncertainty. Um, and it's really what it comes down to. So just once you know that and to say, hey, there, you know, there's something they're missing or something I didn't explain well and it's taking ownership of it. Um, that's how you can change it. That's how you can kind of turn the conversation around. Because um, it's, it's really all it is. I mean, if, you know, you know, it's a great program, you know, you're giving them what they want. So there must be something they're missing or there must be either, you know, some uncertainty in, in, in you as a seller um, or in, in your offer or, you know, the seller financing or whatever it is. There's some level of uncertainty there. So you just overcome it. Rebuild and cert, uh, rebuild the certainty, and just you know, uh, give me a make the offer again. Ask for the business. You know what's funny is I don't think it's so much that they're fearful that the investors are fearful of asking the question. They're mm-hmm. fearful of getting the answer that that they don't want to get because mm-hmm. they didn't ask the question right, right, correctly or whatever. So it's not so much hey, you know, is there something that I didn't ask you? They're worried about oh shit, what if they go yeah, you didn't ask me this, 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 and this. And that, that really is the lesson. That's where you take that. And just like Kai said, you take that learning lesson and you bring it back um, and you just get better and better and better. You got to be able to make people feel comfortable. You got to be able to do 
what you and I are doing right now, chopping it up nice and easy, you know, not wearing this crazy investor hat, being like, oh, I'm an investor. Mm-hmm. You need to like take it easy, just go and have these conversations. Say, hey, listen, I'm interested in buying this piece of property, right? Tell me a little bit about it. Well, what do you want to know? I want to know everything. Uh, honestly, Mr. Seller, I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. Tell them, you know, be, be honest about it. You know, you get a lot more that way. Yeah, 100%. And it's just so different in like, conversation when you know exactly what they want then you can craft a solution for exactly what they want. I mean, why would they say no? I mean, why would they have to think about it? If you're, you know, you know, they want to go be closer to their grandkids. You know, they want to move across state, be closer to their grandkids. They need, you know, two grand, they need 1200 bucks a month or whatever the number is to live and be happy. And, you know, and they're, and they're good. You know, basically them winning the lottery, they never have to worry about anything again. So if you can give them that, you know, they're not going to say no. They're, they're going to want to do it. 100%. But no, that was a great question though. Cause I feel like a lot of people, a lot of people have that and, and wonder that. So, but yeah, yeah. Another thing I want to talk to you about is the boardroom, man. I'm super excited about that group. Super excited. As soon as I saw that email, I jumped in, I, I was on another call and I was like typing my credit card in during that call. And I'm like, Oh, I'm jumping in this man. So I'm super excited to launch that. Yeah. That's going to be amazing, man. We just getting started there. So yeah, the boardroom is a uh, private seller finance. Um, it's a private Facebook group, uh, all based around seller finance. What's so cool about that group is that I've got students in there like you that have been through the training that are willing to help other people. I know everybody. That's what I really love about the real estate community is everybody's really willing to help one another. Um, I think it's probably the most giving community that I've ever been a part of uh, because we're all a little off in this industry, every one of us, right? We're all, we're all a little fucked up. We're all a little, we've all been through some shit. We're all trying to make our way. We all can see the bigger vision. Mm. Um, so I love that about this community uh, because I, I was misunderstood for so many years. Um, and um, with the training, I was going to keep the boardroom strictly for my students. And then there were so many people who had reached out. I'm like, you know what? Everybody can benefit from this thing. So I opened it up. It is a private uh, Facebook group um, that um, it's a paid group. It's $99 a month for people to get in. And uh, what we're going to do in there is just be an amazing, it's going to be an amazing experience because I've come up with this idea that maybe I'm going to do things a little bit different than what you're kind of used to seeing out there on social media. Were you on the last live with Max Jimenez? No, I missed that one. I think I heard about it, but yeah, I missed it with in, in your ear. Yeah, man, it was crazy. We, uh, we, um, he had teed up a couple of calls and Max was, was he, he's an amazing investor and Max was just starting to learn creative. I had flown in Arizona a couple of times, taught him some stuff and we've kept in close contact. He's become a good friend of mine, but he had teed up a couple of calls and we were in there live and, uh, he was on the microphone on the zoom live talking to a call. And I was in his ear feeding him the questions. I was actively listening to his conversation. Everybody else could hear it, but I was feeding him the questions to ask to the seller. Now it takes somebody special to be able to listen to the conversation that he's having as well as have somebody yapping in their ear. Um, But ultimately, long story short, is we wound up locking up two deals live in front of the whole place. There were like 100 people in that room and they were all like, what the hell just happened? Um, and it just sparked this idea where 
I said to myself, wow, what a cool idea for people to learn to pitch this thing on their own. They don't know what to say. So who better than a right to have them in their ear but me when it comes to seller finance? I'll be in their ear. I'll tell them exactly what to say, which will alleviate a little bit of tension. People get into conversations. They're like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's like, hey, just focus on me. I'm going to listen for you. You're going to go ahead and 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 repeat what I say exactly in the tonality and in the cadence that I that I say it in. And then all you have to do is mimic me. We'll take that call. We'll record it. We'll break it down. And then you get to watch you mm. pitch it rather than somebody trying to find somebody out on Instagram or Facebook and resonate with them and try to emulate them. You get to watch yourself do it. And the more you do that, you're going to be like, oh, shit, I could have asked that on my own. I could have asked that on my own. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think that's going to kind of catch fire. It's called In My Ear with Cash. Yeah, no, that is epic. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm super excited for that, man. I think it's a great idea. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man, to see, see how those go down. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Cannot wait. But yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm happy. You know, I'm so grateful they put the community together because, you know, it's already, you already see, you know, it's going to be great. So many go-givers and people posting their calls in there and everyone helping each other already. And I think that that's the foundation, man. You have that. And yeah. It's going to, it's going to blow up. Yeah. We're just, we're just getting started in there. We're still kind of working behind the scenes with posting some stuff and getting some stuff kind of loaded in there, but we'll start breaking down calls here shortly. And, getting in there. I think I might, I think what I might do is I might go in there a little bit more often here, mm-hmm. like right off the rip, maybe once a week. I've got it where I'm going in there every other week. My, my schedule is getting a little bit busy, but I, I want to spend more time inside that group because there's a lot of badass investors in that group. And I just know we're going to put a ton of deals together. So I want to get in there and start getting people deals and start putting these things together. And it's going to be amazing. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, some of the success stories is crazy. Like Luke, you know, going from you know just starting working with you, and then it was it twelve million dollar portfolio, or had to put his business out there. But some crazy like that, right? So he started. Uh, he had started with some single families. Uh, you know the story about the deal that he got mm-hmm. with that sixplex. Uh, he had never done multifamily prior to that. Once he put that under contract, and he was so nervous. I remember when we were. We were uh, structuring the deal. I was doing the same thing for him that I did for Max. Mm-hmm. I go, go back and ask this, ask this, ask this. And then when he went back and he asked it, he just pitched it with confidence. He went in there and he said, I'm going to say everything that Mike said and ultimately put this thing together. And it was that type of action that kind of – that excites me. I want to be around people that want to move. I don't mm-hmm. sit still. Um, I don't, I don't complain. I don't piss about anything. I want to get moving and I want to get going and I want to, I want to move at a, at a rapid pace because I know the universe loves speed. Hundred percent. Um, so I decided to kind of just stay close to him. And I said, Hey, you stay close to me. I'll show you some stuff that not many people get to learn this quickly. Um, and keep bringing deals. So, this 13 unit that we've got under contract, I've got under contract with him. Mm. So we've been able to put 19 units under contract. Um, we have a goal for a hundred units in 24 months. 
if we get this uh once we get this thing kind of hashed out here we'll wind up with 19 units and we just got off the phone yesterday with a 50. Nice. And, it's a, and, and it's like just perfect timing everything is falling in a line here it's perfect yeah. timing perfect circumstance um and it's funny because he he actually he sent me the call that he had with the owner i i actually flew into virginia and mm-hmm. walked a lot of these properties right before i went to tampa and um um we had left a message we were driving for dollars mm-hmm. we were driving we put nine properties into a pipeline kai and then wound up finding this 50 unit and he goes this place has been here forever let's stop and we stop and one of the windows are open and i said somebody have a pistol <laughs> because yeah. we were we i was like we're about to get jumped out in this place yeah um, but long story short is um one of the windows were open and i looked in it was full of mold mm. and i was like okay and then i'm looking at the grounds and i could see that there's some water intrusion and uh, this thing was like half empty. Wow. And there was a number. We found a number. We called the number. We've got the call recorded. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's 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 moving right along here, man. That's awesome. The goal, the goal is to, once you get one under contract, mm-hmm. is to keep moving. Keep yeah. moving. Keep moving. Momentum. Don't worry about the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. You can get, you can get to where you want to go very quickly. You just got to take action. That's, yeah, that's the moral of the story there. Hundred percent. And then, so I always look for commonalities for you know successful people. People I look up to you and just yeah. You know, if you guys listen, you get one thing away from this. I says bunch of takeaways, but yeah, you know, they they set a clear goal. They had a clear goal and goal in mind. You sort you got they got around the right people, found the right team, and they just took massive action. And if you guys do that, I mean, you're gonna win. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. Yeah, you can't not win. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. There's so many people on the sideline that don't move their asses. It's like, get going. Yeah. Like, like you're watching all of us do it. Why not get involved and go do it? Like, and there's so many people that want to help. So yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Massive, massive action. And maybe that word gets thrown around a little bit too loosely and people don't go, don't understand what action is. Get up and do the thing that you're having the most trouble with. Mm. every day focus on that one thing and getting really good at that one thing and then move on to the next thing and it doesn't take months and years if you put action in you can get moving very quickly you know yeah 100 percent. no that's really i think it's a great separator from you know people that win and people that don't 100 percent Hey, this is Kai Logue. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate you. If you want more of this information and you want to see these actually recorded live, go ahead, join our Facebook group. It's a real estate wholesaling syndicate. It's right on Facebook. Google it. You'll find it. Type it on Facebook. You'll find it. I look forward to seeing you guys in there. We give a ton of free information in there, a bunch of free trainings, free courses. You get all the scripts, contracts, everything you need, A to Z, absolutely free. And I look forward to seeing you on the group.